Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome back. I hope your week is off to an amazing start. We have just gone into a state of emergency here in Canada recently, so a lockdown in full effect and some more strict regulations around that. I basically feel like I live in lockdown all the time and I'm in quarantine all the time because I work from home, but it really is just such a reminder. I always like to look at the silver lining, so it's just a reminder of refocusing and recommitting to ourselves, our family, our mental health, our well-being. And so what, whatever that looks like for you and what you need to do so that you can thrive during this time, do that. It is so, so key because being locked up and isolated, it really does take a toll on our health, our well-being, our mental health and energy. And uh, I'm sending so much love to all the parents out there. Lots of virtual hugs go out to you guys if you are homeschooling. And I have quite a few students in my mentorship program and my business mentorship program who are who are moms and they're trying to grow their business and they've got their kids at home and they're doing homeschooling. And there's just been such a upheaval in their schedule and their routine. And so sending you guys lots of love. I obviously do not have kids, so I can't fully relate, uh, but I do want to send you guys a lot of virtual hugs um, and a lot of good vibes as you navigate your way through this. And I'm here for you. I'm here for you on our podcast, on social media, in our private Facebook community. And if there are things that you need, recipes you want me to share, um, some support and questions and things that are coming top of mind, just to ask and whatever we can do to really help support you through this time, my team and I will definitely help to do that. Um, I should also mention our sugar detox program is completely free. So if you are looking to dive into that, this could be really a great opportunity to do that, especially if you feel like you maybe overindulged a little bit over the holidays. You can dive into the five-day sugar detox challenge, lots of delicious recipes in that challenge. And uh, you don't even have to see it as a challenge. It's really just a delicious five-day meal plan. It's gonna help you kick those cravings. It's gonna teach you how to eat some, cook up some delicious healthy meals, balance your plate, and it really is a simple way to sort of reset your health and your body and your hormones. So you can get that for free. Head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash sugar detox. And speaking of sugar detox, our resetters, we kicked off our program last week. They're doing amazing seeing all the amazing recipes that they're posting um, and seeing all their food photos in our group. It is just so incredible. We've had over a hundred women come join us in this round and I'm so grateful for all of you and to just see you taking charge uh, charge of your health and your vitality. And I get so excited to see what you guys are cooking up. And I love the feedback hearing how delicious the food is. That's what this is all about. I'm not about deprivation. I'm not about taking the deliciousness away or restriction. I really want you to eat in a way that's going to support your overall vitality and optimize your hormones and assist you in weight loss if that's a goal for you. So one of the things that I do recommend to a lot of our resetters, because we get a question a lot about, you know, okay, they're 
they're detoxing from sugar, they're cutting out sugar, they're cutting out grains. Um, obviously sugar cravings are still going to show up. And even at nighttime, we get into that habit of wanting to have something sweet. Oftentimes, um, you know, that, that can be something that for many of us, we're getting in front of the TV at night, it's after dinner and we want to have something sweet or chocolatey or something like that. So one of my go-tos, there's actually two products that I love. I love the Organifi Gold in Chocolate and I love the Organifi Harmony. And that is a cacao, it's like a, it's a hot chocolate and the Harmony is made specifically for healthy hormone balance. It's amazing for PMS support, reducing bloating, moodiness, supporting with acne. Um, it can be a little bit of a energy booster as well. So maybe you want to drink that one in the morning. That's typically what I do. I'm waiting for my order to arrive because I got into such this amazing routine of mixing a little bit of my amino acids with my Organifi Harmony in the morning. And then I would drink that before my workout and then I'm all out. And so I feel like my morning routine has has just been a little bit sad as of late because I haven't had the Organifi Harmony. It tastes delicious and it really is just a great way to support your hormones. There is cacao and maca and chaste berry, shatavari, ginger, turmeric, coconut milk, super clean ingredients. And uh, a really great way to optimize hormonal health. So you can save 15% off any of the Organifi products. Head to OrganifiShop.com, use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES and save 15%. And then the other product is the Organifi Gold in Chocolate. That's a really great one to have at night. There's only one gram of sugar. If you're looking for that sweet treat at night, um, you can just mix that up with some like warmed coconut milk or even just some hot water. And you're going to make this delicious hot chocolate. And it's got tons of anti-inflammatory herbs and ingredients in there. Really nourishing. I love that it has lemon balm and magnesium, which is so great for calming the body. So I'm a really, really big fan of that. So definitely check out OrganifiShop.com. And again, the coupon code is healthy hormones to save 15% off. And then a big thing, we've got so many people emailing us and asking us about immune health. I know that with sort of the second wave of lockdowns and everything that's been coming. Immune health is really top of mind for so many people. So of course, you're going to find some amazing products over on Organifi. I've had quite a few uh, vegans and those who are plant-based asking for some different options with like vitamin D and vitamin C and things like that. Vitamin D, you know, oftentimes you can find from like oily fish or meats and some vitamin D products do use like lanolol, lanolol, lanolin. I, I forget how to pronounce it, but basically it does come from sheep um, or lamb's wool. So if you're looking for the vegan option, I mentioned this last week on the podcast, Garden of Life has an amazing vitamin D and it comes from fungi. So it is all plant-based. Um, you definitely want to load up on your vitamin D right now. Really, really essential. So that's going to be really, really key, making sure that you are getting in enough. A thousand IU is just not going to cut it. You probably are looking at taking somewhere close to about four to 5,000 IU. I do recommend that you test your vitamin D levels so you can see where you are in the range and then you can just have a better idea in terms of the dosing that you need specifically for yourself with vitamin D. And then of course, probiotics are going to be so essential. 
Your immune system lives in your gut, so make sure you're loading up on those probiotics. Uh, Garden of Life has a really great once-daily women's probiotic, and it's actually not just great for immune support and digestive support, but it's a really good vaginal blend as well. Um, So if there's any sort of issues that you've been finding specifically in terms of vaginal health or yeast infections or anything like that, this could be a really good once-daily for you as well. It's a 50 billion, and it's got 16 different probiotic strains, and it's not just great, like I said, for digestion and immune health, but really overall women's health and vaginal support too. And then their vitamin C, they have a really great vitamin C spray, Garden of Life as well. So you can head to their website, gardenoflife.com. You can find their products pretty much everywhere, all across Canada, all across the US. They have an amazing blend of different products in their lineup and they have all organic, which are so key and really high quality. So I'm a really big fan of them, especially if you are vegan or more plant-based and looking for more of those options, then definitely check out Garden of Life. All right, let's dive into our episode today. I am so excited for it. I am interviewing Dr. Nicole Morris. We connected over on Instagram, which is basically how I connect with a lot of people. And today's episode, we are chatting about anxiety. We're chatting about digestion and gut health, the link between gut health and anxiety. We also talk about the liver and how that plays a role in healing and how it plays a role with hormone health. We talk about some really great lifestyle hacks and Nicole dives into some really great strategies and things that we can all do using castor oil packs, skin brushing, breathing, cold showers. There's some really great tips she dives into around that. And we also dive into medical freedom and transparency in healthcare, which is such an important topic, especially now in our sort of state of the world and everything that's happening. And we also talk about 5G, which is a topic we haven't dove into yet. And so she dives a little bit into that. And I definitely learned a lot. So it's a really great episode. And I know you guys are going to get some great value from it. So Dr. Nicole Morris is a naturopathic doctor and expert in natural medicine. She graduated from the National University of Natural Medicine in 2018 and founded her private practice in Michigan. Dr. Morris specializes in root cause medicine with a focus in anxiety, gut health, and helping sick women make a smooth transition into menopause. She is a strong advocate for medical freedom and transparency in healthcare. Prior to studying medicine, she earned her bachelor's degree in biology and chemistry from Senegal Valley State University. She then went to work in the food and feed safety industry for four years while studying business and obtaining her MBA from the University of Michigan. Dr. Morris is thrilled to be shifting her focus to the education and empowerment of her clients and their healthcare goals. Let's dive into our episode. Enjoy. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Before we officially dive in, can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on today. It's really an honor to get the opportunity to chat with you. So as you said, my name is Dr. Nicole Morris. I am a naturopathic doctor. I studied in Oregon and I run my own private practice now in the state of Michigan. Work with a health coach in my office. It's just the two of us and we do our thing. It's great. So Michigan is an unlicensed state. So the way in which I practice is a little bit different than my colleagues practicing in licensed states. So I work a little bit more 
like a health coach, but I love it because it gives me the freedom and opportunity to really dive a little deeper and practice the way that I see to be most efficacious and helpful for my clients. So that's what I do. I use a lot of homeopathy, hydrotherapy. I'm a traditional naturopath. So I use a lot of the roots of our medicine with my clients. That's so amazing. I love that. So I love that you can practice a little bit differently. Um, you have this different philosophy from, from some of your other colleagues. So I'd love it if you can explain how you work with your clients and dive a little bit deeper into this philosophy that you have with medicine. Yeah, certainly. So I take a very root cause approach with my clients. Um, and while that's what we are really trained to do in naturopathic medical school, uh, I, I think I go a little bit deeper than most of our clients or most of my colleagues. So in working with someone, if they come with a complaint, say they come with um, GI disturbance, right? They have alternating constipation and diarrhea and bloating and a lot of anxiety. I'm really digging deep to figure out where did, where's the root of that? Where did that come from? Right. And through my practice, I have really uncovered that most of our physical ailments or disease or disturbance in our body really comes from an emotional sphere right? So we're really complex as humans. We're a physical body, but we're also a mental, emotional, and a spiritual body. So the three all work together and they're so intertwined that I see our physical, what our physical body displays in, in terms of disease or what doesn't feel good in our bodies really coming from a mental, emotional, spiritual thing that we've experienced sometime in our life. Even if it's not something recent or something that we can figure out on our own, right? right? So it's digging to figure out what is that thing that set off what the physical body is doing and when did that manifest, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And that's really powerful. And I think it's important to bring in the mental, spiritual, emotional, like all of that into somebody's healing. Uh, it all plays a role. So can you give us an example? I know we were chatting before we were recording about like a client that you had with androgenic alopecia and take us through that journey and what that looked like. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a client come into my office, oh, probably 14, 16 weeks ago. And her chief complaint, the reason that she came to see me was hair loss. Her hair is falling out. It has been for two years and no one can really figure out why. They did diagnose her with androgenic alopecia, which is hormonally based. Right. Uh, but the interesting thing is that her hair loss started right after her grandmother passed away. Mm. Okay. So she had this like emotional trauma and then her hair loss started. Okay. Right. So maybe that was a trigger. We don't know. But as I dug into her case a little bit more, I found that she um, was super anemic, did labs on her and um, her iron levels were really low. Her ferritin was low, which is storage iron. Her red blood cells were very small and very pale, which tells us that she's anemic and she didn't have very many of them, right? So she fit this whole description of iron deficiency anemia. So then I dig a little bit deeper and I'm like, well, why is she anemic? Well, she's on a proton pump inhibitor, which is for GERD or heartburn, right? Mm -hmm. And she is 60 milligrams a day, I think it is, which is a very high dose. Which is a lot, yeah. Um, here in the US at least, yeah. And this girl, she's young. She's not even 30. She's been taking this for several years. And I'm like, why is she on a proton pump inhibitor in her 20s, right? What's going on? Sure. So we dig a little deeper and we learn that she had really bad acne as a teenager. And her acne was so bad, they put her on Accutane four times. Well, Whoa. Accutane um, is a drug commonly used, unfortunately, especially cystic acne. 
And what it does is it dries out the pores in your skin, but also all of your mucous membranes. So the same thing it's doing to your face, it's doing to your gut and your eyes and the inside of your mouth and technically uh, the urinary tract system and the vagina and anywhere there's a mucous membrane, right? Right. So she had acne in her teens. So she took Accutane. The Accutane damaged her gut. So they put her on a proton pump inhibitor because she was having GERD. The proton pump inhibitor stopped her absorption of nutrients. So now she's very nutrient deficient. Her body doesn't have excess energy to grow hair or nails or replenish her skin, right? Like those right. are extras for the body. Right. So, so then I have to ask myself, she had acne in her teens. Why? That's a liver issue usually, right? Because our liver processes our hormones and gets them out of the body like a detox, right? Well, in Chinese medicine, the liver is the organ of anger. And I see this all the time. So I start, you know, asking her more and more questions. Where is the anger coming from? What are you angry about? And we get all the way down to when she was a very small child and she has a lot of anger and resentment toward her parents and some things that happened in her childhood. So the example is to show how deep we can keep, keep digging For and sure. when we can support the brain to rewire the memory of the childhood trauma, everything can heal, right? But we have to go that deep. Um, and that process doesn't happen overnight. No. So that is a lot of the work um, that I'm doing with people in helping them on that emotional level. I'm using a lot of homeopathy. I'm using uh, emotional freedom technique. It's a series of tapping to rewire the brain. Love it. Uh, yeah. EMDR is also a great option. I don't do that in my practice, but I often refer people to that. It's uh, using light to rewire the memories of the brain. So um, things like that to really get to the physical complaints that people have. That's powerful. That's a really great story. Yeah. And it just like, it just goes to show how so much in the medical system is just so surface level. Like you have a symptom, take this. And it takes so much more digging and investigating to really understand why somebody is feeling the way that they're feeling. And so that's amazing. I love that you pointed that out. And I hope that people who are listening perhaps who are having these nagging symptoms that aren't healing and these, you know, to really dive in deeper and look back and keep looking back through the years and what medication was I on, my emotions, what was showing up for me. And like, you know, um, that's what it means to do really root cause medicine. So yeah, that's awesome. I love sure, that. Yeah. And that can't be done in a seven minute visit. It can't be no. done in a 10 minute visit. No. So you really have to pick the people that you want on your healthcare team and, and what that looks like for you as an individual person. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. So I know that you focus a lot with digestion, uh, digestion, gut health, with anxiety. And I know that these two are connected, anxiety and gut health. Can you break that down for us? How are they connected and how do you support the healing system? Um, you know, support the healing of these two systems. What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say almost every single person that I encounter in my practice has one or usually both of these symptoms. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the culture that we live in now, right? And the food that we eat and the chemicals that we're exposed to, all of those things are damaging our gut. And if this term is new to any of you that are listening, we have a gut brain connection, which is becoming more popular in medicine yeah, probably sure. over the last decade. But I always say, 
you often hear that the gut is the second brain, but I always say the gut is the first brain. So the gut and the brain talk to each other through the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is a cranial nerve. We have 12 of them and they come out of our, out of our brainstem. So these are the only nerves that come out of the brainstem. Most of our nervous system comes out of our spinal cord. Okay. So of those 12, the only one that passes the shoulders and goes lower into the body is the vagus nerve. Now it doesn't just, just innervate or communicate with the gut. It also does the heart and uh, some of the other organs in the trunk, if you will. But the most interesting part about the vagus nerve is that the information that travels through that nerve, 90% of it goes up from the gut to the brain. So what is going on in your gut is what is telling your brain how to feel and how to think, right? Right. So again, that's called the gut-brain connection. And we now know through you know, advancements in medicine and research that most of our serotonin is made in the gut. And the serotonin is our neurotransmitter that makes us feel happy and relaxed and less depressed and confident and things like that. So most of that's actually producing the gut and not the brain. So if you're not eating good, healthy, clean, real food that came from the earth and not a package, you're not producing the right uh, microbiome. So good bugs to produce the serotonin to travel up the vagus nerve, to tell your brain to be happy and not feel anxiety and to be relaxed and things like that. So when someone comes in with anxiety, I'm always treating them homeopathically as well, which I know will chat a little bit more about that, but so much of it is about healing the gut and teaching the people that I'm working with how to support their microbiome in good gut health, right? Yeah, that's amazing. So can we dive just a little bit deeper into anxiety specifically and some of the causes of anxiety? Obviously, digestion and gut health playing a role here, but what are some other things that somebody might want to look at when it comes to the causes of their anxiety? Yeah, certainly. So anemia is a huge one that a lot of people miss is being anemic. And I see this in so many of the women that I work with because they have very heavy menstrual cycles. Right. And a lot of that has to do with having a clogged liver or your your liver being bogged down from all of the toxins in our environment, in our food and in, in the air that we're breathing. So anemia is a big one. Um, like we said, gut health is a big one. Hormones can play a role into that as well, especially as we're getting closer to menopause. I see in a lot of women that are menopausal, when their estrogen tanks, their their um, anxiety really increases is what I see in my clinical practice. Um, so that's another cause. And the, probably the biggest thing that I see besides gut health is past emotional traumas mm. and anxiety about health because of things that people endured as children right? or anxiety about death because they lost someone that they were close to and loved as a child for sure. Or anxiety about the safety of their children because of things that they experienced as children. So in my practice, I would say gut health and emotional traumas are the biggest places that I see anxiety come into play. Right. Okay. And so, and we can always dive a little bit deeper into that, but 
I'd love to chat a little bit about homeopathy and biotherapeutic drainage, because I know these are two modalities that you use a lot in your practice. So can you explain a little bit more about these for somebody who was like, what the heck's homeopathy? What is biotherapeutic drainage? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So those are my main modalities that I use in my practice on a daily basis. So homeopathy is the concept of like cures like. Okay. So what that means is that if someone comes into my office with a rash on their arm, okay, and it's really red and hot and stinging and burning, and I look at it and I think, wow, that looks like a bee sting. And what they're telling me it feels like kind of seems like what you would feel if you got stung by a bee. So like cures like. So then I would reach for homeopathic apis, which is homeopathic bumblebee, and I would give that to them for the rash that resembles a bee sting. Hmm. So like cures like. And really the way that homeopathy works is all frequency-based, right? So if you really dig into chemistry or physics and the science, everything in the world is negatively or positively charged, right? It all has its own vibration frequency, really. So we're, we're just matching the frequency, uh, if you will, with the symptoms that the person is having or their personality, their constitution is the homeopathic word for personality, Right. matching that with what has been identified as the personality or constitution of the remedy. So always using the basis of like cures like. So that is how we prescribe with just a single homeopathic remedy. Now, biotherapeutic drainage is combination of low-dose multiple remedies uh, that work down to the cellular level to essentially open up the cells and drain them of the toxic burden that they're holding on to. I don't usually use the word detox because that is such a strong word. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably why Guigno is uh, one of the first people that used biotherapeutic drainage. And I would have to guess that maybe that's why he chose the word drainage. It's not right. as harsh of a word. Yep. Um, so opening on the cellular level, getting the stuff out, but what's coming out isn't always actual physical toxin. It's not always a heavy metal or xenoestrogens, fake estrogens or things like that. It's right. oftentimes emotional stuff stuck inside the cells that we're letting out. So I had mentioned that The liver is the organ of anger. The lungs are the organ of grief. So I use that. I don't use a lot of Chinese medicine in my practice, but this concept that they use is so powerful. And I see it work all the time that I use it kind of as my guide. Um, So, you know, if I know someone has a lot of anger, I will target their liver first. If I know they have a lot of grief, I will target their lungs first, if they have a hard time loving other people, right? Or they have a broken heart or a hardened heart will target their heart first. Right. Um, so kind of using that map to guide us to draining the organ systems in a really gentle, but powerful way with very few, if any side effects. I love that. That's really fantastic. And so you've mentioned the liver a few times. If we could really dive into the role that liver plays with with our healing. Yeah, absolutely. The liver is probably my number one target organ to go after when I'm working with someone. Uh, For one, I find a lot of people that I work with have a lot of anger. So it just kind of makes sense. But two, the liver and also the kidneys are our filter right? They're like the garbage can uh, or the strainer that's filtering the blood, right? Most of what comes 
comes into your body through food and water. And then of course it goes to the gut, but most of that blood flow then goes to your liver. So whatever comes in then first goes to your liver to be processed and to have toxins removed from it. So either if you are processing a lot of toxins, your liver can get bogged down. Or if you have a history of a lot of toxin exposure, your liver is just not filtering anything. So when we're using biotherapeutic drainage or herbs or whatever the modality is, if we haven't first loved on the liver and supported it and drained it, it's just going to continue to be more bogged and more bogged and more bogged. And we're, we're just going to be like swimming upstream, right? We're like swimming against the current, trying to support the body and get stuff out, but the liver just can't do it. So the liver has probably over 500 jobs. Um, You often hear 300, but I think it's a lot higher than that. (laughs) So so we really have to support its ability to do its jobs. And that is everything from making cholesterol to repair damage in the body, right? Cholesterol is a Band-Aid and it repairs damage in the body. So if you have high cholesterol, we have to figure out where's the inflammation, where's the damage, why is the liver making excess? to conjugating our hormones. So that means binding them to proteins so they can be excreted out of the body to filtering heavy metals. And again, like those xenoestrogens and things like that. So the liver is just our main, our main filter, our main garbage can um, sending the toxin off to the gut to be exposed as stool or to the kidneys to be processed and put out as urine. Right. Awesome. Yeah. It's such a powerful organ. And what are some sort of everyday strategies or, or what are some of the most commonly like lifestyle hacks that you encourage your patients to take on to really help optimize the liver and just overall vitality? What does that look like? Yeah. I love to share those things. So most of my clients, uh, while I practice very individualized care, they all start out pretty similarly because we have to establish a foundation for healing. We have to establish the foundation for our health house, right? And if we don't have that foundation, it doesn't matter what we do up here. It's not going to work, right? So one of my favorite things to have clients doing for liver support is castor oil packs. My favorite. Castor oil packs Mm -hmm. are ancient, have been used ancient times. And they're so immensely powerful. When I have my clients start doing them, they rave about them. So castor oil, we often think of as like, Oh, drink it. If you're pregnant and you want to have a baby, (laughs) right. But I'm like, no, don't ever do that. I would never have someone drink castor oil. It sounds terrible. Um, But you get a cloth and you soak it in your castor oil and you put it over your liver. And oftentimes you'll read to put plastic over it, but I just think it's terrible to keep plastic. Agreed. So I would never do that. Yeah. Terrible eating plastic and putting that on my body or on food I'm going to eat or anything like that. So put an old t-shirt over the castor oil pack and then you top a hot pack on top. So it's skin, castor oil pack, old t-shirt, heat pack, right? So making a little sandwich there. Um, And just rest for about 20 minutes before you go to bed. And castor oil is very well absorbed through the skin. It's very anti-inflammatory and nourishing for your organs. So I find it a really great way for one, people to give themselves a little bit of self-care and love and two, to support and nourish their liver through the healing process. Uh, And I, my clients will do this long-term 
once or twice a week, uh, just because they love it so much. So times that you would not want to do a castor oil pack is I don't usually have people do them when they're pregnant, although it is pretty safe and don't always recommend doing them while you're menstruating right. either. So those are like two times that you want to be extra cautious there. For sure. Awesome. And if you go in search of castor oil, I do also recommend organic hexane free castor yes. oil to have yeah. the best quality. Awesome. That's yeah. key. Yeah. I love castor yeah, oil packs okay. and they're very like calming. I find they're just nice to do before bed. It like helps me fall asleep. So yeah, I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. My clients like them for that as well. Um, so castor oil pack is a great thing. Skin brushing. If this is new for any of you that are listening, skin brushing is something super easy that you can do before you jump into a warm shower. I say it adds about two minutes to your routine. There are several different skin brushes that you can get all over there online um, and in the stores. You want to get a uh, soft but firm bristled brush, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you kind of start at your fingertips and you just work your way up toward your shoulders in slow, soft strokes. And again, at your feet, start at your feet and just slowly walk up. And uh, I do have a a rundown, a blog that I wrote about this on my website. Um, if anybody is interested that it walks you exactly through how to do the skin brushing and shows a map of the pattern. On, of the most important thing is that you always are using the brush to stroke toward your lymph nodes. Okay. So as humans in 2021, we sit a lot, we yes. don't move enough. So our lymphatic system, which is where our immune system lives, it doesn't move around our body. It just sits there stagnant. The only way to move it is to move your body. So if you're not moving your body enough and getting enough exercise, your lymph is just sitting there. So skin brushing is a quick and easy way that you can give it a little movement. And it's very invigorating to do before you get into a shower. It is. So skin brushing, uh, four square breathing is an amazing tool that you can use for anxiety anytime, anywhere, from driving your car to standing at your kitchen sink. What this does, and I'll teach you guys how to do it, is it turns your nervous system down. It turns it off kind of. So we have sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic is your historically referred to as fight or flight, right? right? If you are in a field with a tiger, are you going to fight it? Or are you going to run away? And your adrenaline goes up and you can run faster and your heart rate increases and your breathing increases in respiratory rate and you're ready to fight, right? So that's our anxiety state. That's where we're at when we feel anxiety. The parasympathetic, the flip of that is referred to as resting and digesting. And that is when the blood flow of your body is in your gut so it can digest food and in your brain so that it can feel calm, essentially. So we want to flip you in an anxiety state from sympathetic, fight or flight, to parasympathetic, resting and digesting, right? So to do this, you take breaths for four seconds. And I have my clients do this 10 times in a row. So you breathe in for four seconds. You hold your breath for four seconds. You breathe out for four seconds or longer if you can, and you hold your breath for another four seconds. So you can think of that as a square, four seconds in, hold for four, out for four or longer, and hold for four. And do that 10 times. And that really, there's a, actually a lot of research behind uh, breathing methods like that. And it's kind of similar to how people breathe when they do yoga and things like that. Right. So working on that breath work really can um, alter an anxiety state. Uh, something else that I oftentimes will have clients do is cold showers. So that may sound really terrifying if it's not <laughs> something that you are used to doing. 
But ending your shower with cold water has a multitude of health benefits. When you are in hot water, your blood is out in your extremities. It's in your hands and feet because your body is trying to cool itself off. So when you turn the water to cold, it brings the blood flow back to your trunk and into your vital organs where you need it. So it's bringing oxygen and nutrients to your vital organs to support your body. But part of what I think cold showers are so good for is it is a mental exercise, if you will. It's really hard to stand in cold water, especially if you're not used to doing that. So I don't recommend, if you've never done this before, that you hop in the shower this evening or tomorrow morning and take your water from hot straight to super cold. Right. Your body won't uh, like that very much. So I have people just slightly turning it a little bit colder every day. So tomorrow morning, just turn the dial slightly colder. Okay. And then the next day, a little bit further and a little bit further till you can get to that cold. And it's okay. It might take you a year to get to really cold. And that's okay. You're building your stamina and resiliency For sure. in your body by doing that. Um, so I encourage people to always, always end on cold. And you can oscillate back and forth between hot and cold. So you could go to cold for 30 seconds, come back to warm for three minutes and back to cold for 30 seconds. But important that you always end on cold. So those are some of the tips that I use with my clients every day just to get them started on increasing their resiliency and their vitality strength in their body. I love that. Yeah, I did a whole episode on cold showers and I was challenging our community to try and take them on. And I don't know how many people actually did it, but (laughs) I should probably reach out and see who took on the challenge. Yeah, they're not that enjoyable. Yeah, find out. They are so, so therapeutic and healing. So I love them. So I'd love to dive into, you know, very invigorating when you finish. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. So I know that you are a very strong advocate for medical freedom and transparency in healthcare. You post all about this over on your Instagram, and I love it so much. Can you tell us what that really means, medical freedom? Yeah, absolutely. To me, the most important thing is having the ability to choose, having the ability to choose what goes in and on your body, what medications you choose and do not choose, what surgery you want to have or not to have. Um, So really, like to me, that is what medical freedom is. And transparency also, I think, is at this time, at least here in the States, more lacking than medical choice, right? Having medical choice is autonomy. Autonomy is a basic human right. For sure. The ability to choose what happens to our bodies or our children's bodies. Transparency in healthcare, I think, uh, is what is most lacking. So you and I were kind of discussing before, but at least here in the States, I'm not 100% sure about Canada, but we have what is called a Park Q. And every medical professional is legally obligated to provide their patient a Park Q when making a recommendation. So a Park Q is P-A-R-Q, procedures, alternatives, risks, in questions. So you are legally obligated to explain the procedure or the supplement or the medication to your patient or your client. You are um, legally obligated to discuss the alternatives to the treatment that you are recommending to your patient or your client, right? So this is sticky because there may be lots of alternatives to, say, a statin, 
that conventional healthcare providers don't know. So they're legally obligated to provide that information, but it may be information that they don't even know. Right. Right. And again, like if we're talking about um, cholesterol, which I guess is a little off topic for us here, but um, they would legally be obligated to recommend that you change your lifestyle and increase your exercise and eat different food, right? Like that is something that they know about. So that's alternatives. Risks is R. So that's the side effects or what are the risks? If they're uh, um, recommending a medication, what are the risks? They are legally obligated to tell you all of the risks. And then questions, they are legally obligated to provide you an opportunity to ask questions and receive answers. So in our typical, at least here in the U.S., seven to nine minute doctor's visit, there's not time to do an adequate parkour in seven minutes, let alone the entire visit, right? And that is a whole nother deep issue which may be a little different between the U.S. and Canada because our healthcare systems are a little bit different, right. but we're so run and controlled by the insurance companies here yeah. and they pay less. So doctors have to see more patients to get paid the same. And it's a very deep, deep hole with lots of issues in it. For sure. um, so, so really like it comes down to you having as the patient, the information that you need to provide informed consent, which here in the U.S. at least every individual has a legal right to provide informed consent. So basically the ability to say yes or no. Yes, I want that drug. No, I don't. Yes, I want that vaccine. No, I don't. Same thing with surgery. So that's what our informed consent is. And at the end of the park the client or the patient does or does not give informed consent based on the information they receive from the provider. Unfortunately, I find in much of our conventional system, at least here in the U.S., people are not given the opportunity to give true informed consent. It's right. often biased based on the provider's For opinions sure. or education and things like that. Yeah, of course. I mean, we see it here in Canada too. And I mean, this is also, especially at this time with all that we've been hearing about vaccinations as well, like this is so important, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important for people to know that well, to know, I want to say to know that they have a choice, but how long that choice is going to remain for us remains to be seen, right? Correct. Um, but something that I think is really important for people to know specifically about the new vaccines coming out is how they work. They're entirely different than how vaccines that we've used in the past work. An mRNA vaccine, which is how this new COVID vaccine is working, is using our own cells machinery to present the antigen, which is what your body makes an antibody against. It's like a lock and key system, right? Your your immune system against proteins, which are what we call the antigen. And usually with a vaccine, that comes from uh, when you get a vaccine, it's weakened virus usually um, or protein from the virus or the bacteria. So it's yeah. the material being put into the body. With an mRNA vaccine, you are being injected with mRNA, which then gets into your cell, like a cell from your body, and uses the machinery inside that cell to produce on its cell wall, essentially, the antigen. So then the your immune system starts attacking your own cells which is not something that we have done before in medicine or vaccines. And 
I don't hear a lot of that being talked about. And we have no idea what the long-term side effects of that are because it hasn't been long-term. There's no possible way for us to know that, right? So these are just the sorts of things, not to say, you know, just to be very clear here, I'm not anti or pro anything. I'm pro-informed choice or informed consent. You could say I'm pro that. I just, my goal is to make sure people have the information that they need to make very informed healthcare decisions. And in a time like 2020 and 2021, I think we are seeing an emergence of the importance of you, the individual or the listener being your own best doctor. That can sound odd to come from a doctor, right? To say like, oh, you got to figure out how to be your own doctor. But most of our providers are working in that this conventional system where they only have a few minutes with you. They can't get all the information. You, you, there's no way. You can't establish a relationship deep enough to figure out really what the root cause of your issues are. For sure. And you have to be able to research for yourself. And you have to be able to find the research and interpret it. And it's not easy. Just saying that you have to do it and actually doing it is two different things, right? Yeah. It's not always easy to do that. But I do want to share with you guys a few ways that you can find the research. And... If you follow me on Instagram or lots of my colleagues, a lot of what we post, we find on Google. And that may sound unscientific, but it's not unscientific. And it's very intentional because I want any of my followers to be able to go and find the research study that I am talking about and read it for themselves, right? Right. If I only talked about things you don't have access to, that's not super helpful to you as the listener, right? For sure. So simply... Typing something into your Google search bar and following it up with the word scholar will get you the PubMed articles that we as physicians look at. I usually use NCBI after my search. So that's N as in Nancy, C as in cat, B as in boy, I as in igloo, NCBI. That will bring you the same search. So that will bring you the same thing as typing in Google Scholar, whichever works for you. Um, So those are some really good ways that you can actually find the PubMed articles. PubMed is a giant database that healthcare providers and lots of other um, health coaches, all kinds of stuff, people use to find the studies that we really need to see, whether they're case studies or reviews or placebo controlled trials, whatever it is, it's all going to be in there for you to look at. Which is key. And you post so much of this research and data and the studies on your feed, which is why I've been so drawn to following you and listening to you because I know I know you're sharing the research and the data, which is which is really important. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's not easy, but we do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to switch gears just a little bit and chat about 5G, which is something else that you've been posting about. And if you can yeah. shed a little bit of light on this for those who are unfamiliar, and it's it's not a topic that we have yet to talk about on the podcast. So let's dive into that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to talk with you about that. This topic is intense, very controversial. There's a lot of data. In in bringing this back to the data full circle, I think it's very important to understand as a consumer of information that we can find data or research to support anything we want. Right. It's really the truth. So we can find data to support that 5G is dangerous and we can find data to support that it's not. Right. So again, the 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 issue is very complex, but I think some of the biggest things to take away from that conversation or from a conversation about 5G is there's a lot of confusion in the terminology. 
A lot of people think that 5G comes for the, from their Wi-Fi router in their house. That's not true. So 5G simply means fifth generation. So we had 2G and 3G and 4G. Now fifth generation uh, cellular communication data, basically, right? There's also five gigahertz, which is the frequency in your Wi-Fi in your house or in your office building. And oftentimes your wireless router will just show 5G, even though it's five gigahertz. So that's a big, I I think that's one of the biggest um, confusion points for people is what are we really talking about here? So while your Wi-Fi is also not super great for your health, and I always recommend people turn them off when they can and when they sleep. Yes. That's not the same as the 5G from your phone. Got it. So 5G from your phone is a much higher frequency than what we see in 4G and Wi-Fi. It's a much higher frequency in a smaller wave. So the and to be honest, I'm I'm not like the world's expert in 5G. For sure. I'm doing my research to yeah. share and bring light as much as I can to to the people that follow me and the listeners on your show and things like that. Yeah. So because the wave this is all about waves, right? So like light is on, on waves. We have the, the wavelengths that we can see the, the microwave in your house, house, those are waves, same sort of thing. It's all wavelengths with frequencies. Okay. It's very engineering with sappy, which I'm not, but, (laughs) uh, so because the waves are small, they do not penetrate large things. So they do not penetrate houses, office buildings, trees, And for this reason, we will need small cell towers. So are you guys seeing these go up in Canada now? Yeah, absolutely. I see them everywhere. Okay. So here in the U.S., and I live in a pretty rural area, so I was pretty shocked when I first saw them a few months ago. Here in the U.S., they look like a a square, and on the square, there's four little antennas, one coming up in each corner. And I haven't got close enough to see how big they really are, but I mean, they're probably only like... 12 by 12 um, inches. And here in the U.S., we see them on light poles, on um, telephone lines, probably the same thing in Canada, right? Yeah. Where you're seeing them. Yeah. Yeah, Traffic lights, things like that. So because the wavelength is small and it doesn't penetrate things, we have to have small cell towers up to every 500 feet in, in densely populated areas with lots of structures that the waves can't penetrate, they'll have to be even closer together. So we will get to a point where they're trying to put these on people's homes, like on the roofs of buildings and things like that. And that is because the, the small cell towers have to communicate with each other directly. And then it goes back to like a, a bigger hub in the middle of the city or whatever, you know, whatever that's going to be. It's right. like a traffic line, right? So we are exposed to a lot of constant exposure. There's no, there's going to come a point when there's no way to get out of the wavelength, the small wavelength, right? And what this means for our health is still really questionable, but considering there is evidence that it could be harmful, I think that we should be treading more lightly than what we are, right? So the wavelength can penetrate millimeters into the skin surface of a human or an animal. And we also have to think about the environment in the plants and how these wavelengths are not only going to affect us as humans, but our environment, sure. right? Yep. And we only have one of those. <laughs> um, yep. So 
what happens is most people are thinking like, oh, it's going to affect our skin and our eyes maybe, right? But we have cell signaling. So when damage starts to occur on the surface of any cells, the eyes or the skin, we have cell signaling in the body, which penetrates deeper and causes other things. So in the research that I have been doing in the last couple of weeks, I have found that not only are the risks to our external structures, but potential, this is all potential. It could potentially lead to cancer, to metabolic disturbance. So that's um, diabetes and your ability to process sugar that you're eating. Um, Neurodegeneration. So that is degeneration of your nervous system, which could lead to um, numbness and tingling in your hands and feet. And I'll be the first one to tell you when I have my hand, my phone in my hand too often, Me too. my phone does not yet pull 5G. I can feel it. My hands get sore. Yep. Tingly. Uh, So a good thing to do if you experience that is alternating hot and cold water, kind of like the hot and cold shower on your hands. But so that neurodegeneration, um, oxidative damage, which then leads back to cancer, infertility. Fertility is a huge concern, especially with children in something to always consider when it comes to children and toxins bodies are smaller and their cell turnover is much faster because they're growing. Right. They also breathe much deeper. So if it's chemicals and you spray a chemical on your counter to clean it, the amount that you and your child are breathing in is likely the same, but your body is two, three, four, five times the size of your child. And you have way more cells to detox than the child. So it's more dangerous for the child. Got it. Um, so kind of similar there. Cardiovascular disease, congenital abnormalities, um, just general inflammation in the body, which can lead to all of this. So there's a whole list of things that the research is demonstrating could be side effects of 5G ultimately. So I think it's something that we need to become more aware about as individuals in doing our research and really digging into what this new technology means for us, right? And really 5G has been developed for the... uh, Technology of things, TOT. So that is basically saying like our cars are eventually going to drive themselves, our home security systems, our refrigerator is going to be talking to our phone pretty soon. So we have to have 5G and there's already talk of 6G for the technology of things, this vast array of internet communication to work essentially. Which is wild and scary and all of the things, even more reason for us to become informed and understand the data and the research around it. So thank you for shedding some light on that um, because it's not an area I'm too familiar with, but diving in and doing some research. So it's great to really hear that from somebody else. So, so thank you. And if you don't mind, I'd also like to mention a lot of people have said, well, like you've invoked fear. So what can we do to protect ourselves? (laughs) I'd love to just add a few things that people can do protect themselves. Yep. Uh, turn your phone off at night, yes. whether you have 5G or not. To my knowledge, the iPhone 11 does not pull 5G, but the 12 does. Mm-hmm. Mine does. Um, yours does. Yeah. I'm yeah. Pretty sure. I have the 12. I think it's like the 12 max or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. The new one. So yeah. yeah, that one, to my knowledge, that will pull 5G, but the 11 won't. I don't know about the Androids. I'm not a Google user, Android user, but so finding out about that, but shut your phone off at night at least at the very least, put it on airplane mode, turn your Wi-Fi off because we could have a whole nother conversation about the health effects from EMFs and the Wi-Fi in your house. Definitely. So I have a, like a little remote control that my Wi-Fi is plugged into Yes, and I can just take it off at night. Same. Yeah. We have like, we call it like a kill switch and like just at night, we just 
hit that switch, the Wi-Fi goes off. We have a hard rule in our house, like no phones in the bedroom. And it's actually one of the reasons why recently we put in like a house line, like a phone. Like it just seems so ancient to me. Like this is so old school to actually have a phone in the house because everybody calls you on your cell phone now. Right. But I'm like, I don't want to have my phone in the bedroom. And if that's the only way for people to reach me, like I'm just like glued to this thing. So no, we put in like a hard line in our, in our house and we have one uh, like wireless phone in the house. And if our family needs to reach us, they can call us there. And and, you know, if anything, God forbid happened in the middle of the night. Um, But yeah, no phones, no phones in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, That's wonderful. We've been thinking about getting a a phone line, but honestly, we live in a newer neighborhood. And truthfully, I don't even know. I don't think there's phone If they do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even yeah. know if it's an option, but I have been yeah. thinking about it. So I should um, check into that more. But yeah, so shutting your phones off at night. Trees, because it does not penetrate through trees. If you live by trees or you can plant pine trees, I mean, that's not like a thing you can do overnight, but right. um, that can be helpful for you as well. Awesome. Um, I, I, the, the research that I have found is very... Um, I'm not 100% sure about the phone cases because from my knowledge and what I have read, if you put the phone case on is great. It doesn't come out of the front or the back, but for your phone to still be able to ring, it has to get serviced through somewhere. So usually the sides of the phone case are not protected. And so the signal being pulled out the sides is much stronger. So if you cross the path of the side of your phone, you're actually getting more EMF exposure than just from the top or bottom. But again, this is not my expertise, just my research I'm trying to do to inform myself and others. Okay. Defender Shield, which I have no financial affiliation with right like the emf but i have one sitting underneath my laptop right now just to try and help with what's coming down from my computer to my body correct yeah just little things you can do Yeah. yeah awesome yeah i and i think it's so important like that's one of the reasons why we moved out of an apartment building, you know, we were in a condo and we moved more like country-ish and we're by trails and nature. And yeah, because I was feeling it being living 27 floors up and being surrounded by Wi-Fi. And yeah, it was a lot. And then we were in the middle of this busy, busy city. So even if I just wanted to go out for a walk, like there was no parks or real nature around me. So um, it was so important that, that, that we moved and now we're really by, you know, forests and nature. And, um, and if you don't have, you know, access to that close by, like just make it a priority to, to go to park or, or something and get outside and touch the trees. And I know it sounds so silly, but it's, it's so important for our healing. Yeah. Earthing or grounding, we call it. If you've ever seen a map of your feet and how your feet really correlate to the rest of your body, um, it it shows how important just putting your feet on the ground ground is and feeling the electrons of the earth and how that can heal your body. Super powerful. Love that. Love that. So before I let you go, one last question. This is more of a personal question for you. I'm interested in currently what you're doing to support your health and your immunity and your mental health. What, what does that all look like? Yeah, I think that's a super great question. I'm happy to share that. So I gave myself a mental health day today, which I'm lovely. (laughs) This is all I'm doing today. And I'm chatting with you from home, which is great. So I think it's really important um, for us to remember to do that for ourselves and our kids to give them a mental health day once in a while. We all need that, right? Um, I eat real food. That's like my biggest thing, right? Like I'm a busy mom. I have a new practice. I've only been in practice for two years. So I'm still growing my practice. I have two little kids. So the most tangible thing that I can do for myself every day is eat real food. 
So to me, real food comes from the earth and anything that grows on it. We do eat animals, um, but plants, so fruit, veggies, nuts, seeds, meat, like from the ground, not a factory. That's my biggest thing. Uh, Drinking water. I don't really drink alcohol. I don't condone people that do by any means. Um, but it's just, it doesn't work for my body. Every time I have alcohol, my thyroid goes into a, yeah, you too. I hear this from a lot of women. My thyroid goes into a hyperthyroid attack and I feel awful for a week or two. So it's not worth it. Um, and it's really, alcohol is really bad for your immune system and it's inflammatory. So there's all kinds of reasons to just drink a little salt or water. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, so I don't drink alcohol. Um, I do, I'm not like, uh, the best at taking my supplements. Honestly, I will do like, um, zinc, vitamin C, uh, vitamin D is probably my biggest thing that I take regularly just because so many people that I work with are vitamin D deficient and same for you guys in Canada, but yeah, for sure. I don't live close enough to the equator yeah. <laughs> and when I go outside, I'm not in a bikini. So I'm not yep. enough of my skin touches or sees the sun, especially in Michigan in the wintertime. So I would say like, those are my big things. Like move your body as much as you can. I try to move my body as much as I can. Um, I'd be the pot calling the kettle black if I like, or a liar if I told you I worked out five times a day because I just don't right now. Um, but just trying to get outside and walk and spending time in nature really, like we were just saying is so important for your health. Um, building boundaries with toxic people. Yes. So incredibly important for your health. And I'd say I'm really good at that. So that probably saves me a lot of grief and inflammation in my body. So I think for me, the things that I do to support the health in my body and my family is really mostly lifestyle related. And that's what I teach my clients to do. It's all about your lifestyle. It's building a lifestyle that's sustainable, that you can keep up with. I read my Bible. I'm trying to read the whole Bible this year. So that's another thing that it keeps me healthy, uh, whatever your spiritual practice is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those are my things. It's mostly lifestyle for me. I love that. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was so great to have you here. Where can our audience find you and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can always check my website is morrisnaturalhealth.com. And if you head to my website, I actually have a um, free downloadable for you guys right at the top of the homepage. And it gives you information on all the cold therapy that I talked about today. So some of my favorite ways to use cold therapy when you're sick, when you have fevers, just for overall vitality, cold showers, it's all in there. So you guys should definitely check that out. And then of course, on Instagram, my tag is Morris. Nicole has an H in it. So Dr. Dot N-I-C-H-O-L-E Morris. Um, and you guys can find me there. You can also text me. I have a new text feature. Lovely. So you can text 586-788-1221 and you will automatically just text join and you'll get there. Amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you. We will put all of that in our show notes so everybody can go and grab it there. And thanks again for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. My pleasure. We'll talk soon. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. 
Thank you everybody for tuning in. Be sure to connect with Nicole over on Instagram. You can find her at Morris. You can also head to her website, morrisnaturalhealth.com. Thank you so much for being here. We will connect with you next week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and always come find me over on Instagram at Holistic Wellness Foodie. Lots of amazing recipes and deliciousness that we're posting up there. Great content around women's health and hormones. And if there's any topic that you would love for me to dive into in a future episode, let me know. Have an amazing day. Chat with you all next week.